Hey everybody, welcome back this week as we walk through the Word together. And as we walk out this truth, we discover that life is produced in us and also in other people. We are walking with one another, growing together to see the life of Christ continue to manifest and birth in us and then to see it spread outside of the walls of our houses and our church building. When you think about a sports team, when you think about a team, what is a marker of a team, a good team? Communication. Family. The same goal. All right, Anya in the house over here. Come on. Anything else? Unity. Yes. Anything else? Trust. Yeah. Yeah, these are, these are really great. So today, as, as we're looking into Acts 2, um, I was thinking about what it means to be on a team, like a team together, like the church. And I would venture to say that most successful teams, most good teams, they spend a lot of time together, which would build trust, right? Which then, as they spend time together, they would be unified because they're going after the same thing, right? And as you spend time together, you become Corey, family in the back. Come on, here we go. Okay, so as we prepare today, I want you to just be thinking about the markers of a good team and think about the fact that we are a team in here together. So I'm going to invite Lindsay Sanford up here. She's going to read our scripture for today. Everybody say, hey, Lindsay. (laughs) Y'all, this is Lindsay, and she is one of the coolest cats I know. She just is. She just is. So we're going to, you want to intro it and tell us where we're going to be? Yeah, this is Acts 2, 42 through 47. Mm -hmm. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship of the breaking of the bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods. They gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. Lynn, thanks for reading us from it today, for opening your word. Y'all, God's doing a lot in Lindsay Sanford's life. She is a powerful leader in Midtown Kids. I learn a lot from her. I learn a lot from her. Okay, so tonight we're going to look at a few markers of the early church who, as we see in that scripture, they had all things in common. And we're going to pay attention to the things that this word says they devoted themselves to. Okay, so we tend to more than back then when this was written, live in a little bit more of an individualistic culture. But for the most part, the culture that Jesus knew and established was one of community. They were doing a lot of life together. And so this word devoted, they were spending a lot of time together. Um, And as they spent time with Jesus, it inspired them in their relationships with one another. So that's what we're going to learn about today, how our um, vertical relationship with Jesus inspires the togetherness that marked the early church, the community of the early church. 
So we have been in Acts and talking about the Holy Spirit. And so today I, I felt the invitation to talk about what it means in the togetherness that Acts 2 describes. What does it mean to be together and filled, right? We think about the Holy Spirit and sometimes because it is a really personal relationship. There is a personal relationship with Jesus. There's a choice that each individual in this room will make to follow Jesus. But then in these scriptures, we see how united, filled with the Holy Spirit, they lived in this way of life together, okay? So a little bit of context in where we, where we are, um, because context can be, can be really important. This people group that we're talking about, they came from all over, and they were in Jerusalem to celebrate Passover. So they were eating this meal together, celebrating, and in this season, right, we know that Jesus went to the cross. He died, and he rose again, and so the apostles have this, like, fresh, like, oh my goodness, what is happening? They're gathered together. Jesus sends the Holy Spirit. Peter steps forward to give his first sermon They think they're crazy because they think they're drunk because they're all speaking in the native languages of everyone who has come from all afar. They hear this message, and there are thousands, pretty sure it says 3,000 new believers. And then they ask this question. They say, what now? And they say, repent and be baptized. And that's where we are right now. 3,000 have repented, turned from The way of life that they have known, I like to talk about repenting and sin as like turning from my way to God's way. That's what they did. And they were like, huh. And so verse 42 is where we pick up. And it talks about how they spent their time learning what to do with this good news that they had just heard. So devoted, really important. I think the definition is going to come on up here just so we know what we're talking about. It means to give oneself continuously to. I don't know if there's something in your life that you give yourself continuously to. Anybody? Give yourself continuously to. What, what, what is it? The one sitting next to you. Yeah. Is that easy or hard? you're amazing. I would have Ryan say the same thing. It's probably a little hard, right? In relationship, it's hard. When you devote yourself, you're like, this is the way we are walking in it. I don't care what comes against it. Like, this is where we're going. That's hard. Thank you for being honest. We all in the room are saying, oh, yes, me too. Me too. Okay. So we should pay attention to the things that they devoted themselves to. And I like to think about these things. There's four things they devoted themselves to. And I, I find myself sometimes that I'm like, I'm doing pretty good in this one. Oh, I'm not doing that good in this one, you know? And we have this like level of, I don't know, goodness that we do. Um, I, I heard this awesome um, friend of mine talking about it like a table. So a table has four legs. Is any leg more important than the other? No leg is more important than the other. For the table to do what the table was created to do, every leg has to be doing its thing. Has anyone ever sat at a table that is not doing the thing it was supposed to do? Yeah, you're leaning up against it and the water is spilling. You're leaning up against it and like your food's flying everywhere. You're just like constantly in this awkward place. So no part, no thing they were devoted to is more important than any other one. One, you might be like, got it. 
that's amazing. Go teach someone else how to get it, you know? And the other one, you might be like, that's really hard for me. Okay, cool. Let's ask someone to teach us how to do it better. So are we ready? Yes. Okay. So the first thing in this, in verse 42 that we see is they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So the apostles are the people who had been with Jesus. They are the sent ones. So they, uh, back then there's no like Bible They're not like, here's a Bible, go read it, go teach yourself. They are word of mouth sharing with these new believers. One, can you imagine? That's a lot of people. There's a lot of people. 3,000 is a lot of people to teach about the ways of Jesus. But these new believers had heard this amazing news and they wanted, they were hungry to know, what does that change about the way that I do daily life? What does that change about my uh, marriage? What, how does that influence the way that I parent? How does that change the way that I speak? Does that change the way that I dress at all? You know, there were so many things they had to learn. And the apostles, they simply shared what they had seen and experienced as they walked with Jesus. And this is, I know we're right at the beginning, so for me to say this is my favorite part of my message is not an invitation to check out, but this was something so powerful to me as I looked into the apostles' teaching. So here's what it is. In Matthew 28, if you have spent any time in your word, you know that Matthew 28 is the part where Jesus says, go therefore and make disciples. So pre everything with his life, his death, and his resurrection, he is teaching his disciples what it means to continue his mission, okay? So I think this is going to come up on the screen, but it said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Check, right? They're like doing the thing that he sent them to do, which I was like, how often do we see, right? There's a lot in scripture that you're like, great, what do I do with that now? Or how does that look like in my life? But the thing that Jesus had said, go and do, they're doing. Guys, that's good news. So then they continue on and it says, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. What did they encourage the new believers to do? Repent and be baptized. Then they continue on and it says, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. This was them living out the sent life that Jesus had prepared them for and blessed them to do. But as I was thinking about that, um, teach them all, teach them all that I have commanded. Okay, this is a moment of transparency in here. How many of y'all remember everything that you hear from up here every week for all of the times you've been in here? How many of y'all, every podcast you listen to, you could like repeat it back verbatim? guys. No, no, no. Yeah, me neither. And this is where I was like, ah, Holy Spirit. Okay. So this is what John 14, this is what the word of God says, pre all of this, Jesus promises, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. And he will bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. And so we ask the question, why is it important that we are filled with the Holy Spirit and together? Well, guys, I'm, I'm pretty confident there was a lot of this happening as the apostles were like, I better remember everything that he, that he said, everything that he said, I must share with them, you know? And instead they pressed into the promise that Jesus has said, I'll send you a Holy Spirit. I have filled you. I am with you. I will bring to your remembrance 
everything I want you to share. And it just led me to a point where I was like, thank you, Jesus, for being really faithful to keep your promises. Thank you, Jesus, for the Holy Spirit. You know why it matters? Because this is so forgetful. But like the Holy Spirit inside of me, he will bring to remembrance all the things. And then when I am allowing him, when I'm tuned in with him, like y'all benefit because I am remembering and sharing what he has taught. And I benefit. Mandy, when you do that, I benefit. And that's why it's so important in community that we are devoted to the apostles' teaching. Second thing, they are devoted to fellowship. I don't know about y'all, but when I think about fellowship, how many of y'all think about a potluck? I mean, I think about like, I'm definitely bringing the mac and cheese to this potluck. I am. And, uh, and I think about socializing together, probably playing some spike ball together. And so as I was looking into this, I was like, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. That, that does make a lot of sense that he would want us to have fun together. I think God's really fun. I think that when the, the men and women who followed Jesus, I don't think it was boring when they spent time together. So that checks out for me. But I was looking into the Greek word of what fellowship means when it says that in Acts 2. And it's the word quantonia. And I wish Kelsey Webb was in here. I don't know if y'all know her. She's the cutest little curly redhead. But she has it tattooed on her arm. And, I, and it was just this like full circle moment where it means, it doesn't just mean like they hung out and had fun together. It means they were a participant. They were a partaker in something. They were like doing the thing together. That tells a way different story than just like, I brought macaroni and cheese. That's like a lifestyle of like, I'm in it with you. I'm in it with you. But it wasn't just like, I'm in it with you. As you look at many times in the word, in John 17 and 1 John, you see these times where this word quantity is used. And the most powerful one, I mean, there are many, like where it says, if we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, then we lie and we do not practice the truth. However, if we walk in light as he is in light, then we have fellowship with one another. We have quantity with one another. Us in him, us together. That's how we have fellowship. That's how we have quantity. But I loved this in John 17. This is Jesus praying for us to have this. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray for also for those who will believe in me through their message. So he's talking about those early believers, talking to his disciples about the early believers, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me, Jesus, Father in him, and I am in you, May they also be in us, all of us together, all of us together in one, so that they may believe. I mean, this is the thing that when we walk in fellowship with one another, our personal filled with the Holy Spirit, our personal relationship with Jesus is the only way we have fellowship with one another. There's no like, I can kind of do this and I can kind of have this. It doesn't work like that. Quanania is a participation. It speaks about an interactive relationship between God and believers sharing new life in Jesus. This moves us from a potluck-based concept of fellowship into a gospel and Holy Spirit devotion to fellowship. 
I don't, I don't know if y'all know this, but we talk about being the body a lot. So in Romans 12, 5, it talks about that we are the body of Christ. So though we, many, are one in the body of Christ. So you, as a believer, are a part of the body of Christ. And this word, the reality is that if now a part of the body decides to not participate, right? We're going back to fellowship. So a part of my body decides to just like not participate, not partake, that would be really bad news. I've been learning a lot about my liver. Y'all, if my liver decided to just not participate with my body, Does anyone know what that would do to your body? It is bad news. It is like, doesn't process all the toxins, and then all those toxins just seep into your blood. Like, your blood is bad. So now not only is your liver just like, I'm not participating, but the part of you in here that are the blood, well, you're hurting now. And then I imagine if our blood is bad, I don't know, Jim Vincent, I'm pretty sure this is your specialty, but like, if my blood is bad, it's probably bad news for the entire body. And so as I was thinking about this, the same is true with us. When one stops participating and participating, like the whole body hurts. And that's why they devoted themselves to it. Because it was so important. It was so important for a personal and for each other. And this marked the early church. The next thing They are devoted to the eating together and to the breaking of bread together. I like this one. Do y'all like this one? I like this one. I tend to think a lot of people might be best at this one. And as we look into it, though, I was thinking about it, and it, it might seem easy that, like, you know, the Mediterranean culture, like the culture in this time, they ate a lot of meals together. They were all cooking it together and then sitting down together. But the benefit of sitting down at a meal with someone, that's like three times a day that you could look in someone's eyes, have a conversation with someone, check in on each other. And I tend to find that in our culture today, Even me, I'm 30, just so everyone knows. But even when I was growing up, I remember um, we we were going everywhere. I have three sisters, and we were all on, like, multiple sports teams and, like, engaged in multiple things at school. And I probably ate dinner, I don't know, Mom, ate dinner more in a car than we did around a table. That's not a bad thing. I love you deeply. She's an amazing mom. But she was, like, running us everywhere, and she was nourishing our bodies. But we weren't, like, sitting down together and looking into each other's eyes. And there is something in this culture that I don't know if you're a parent in this room or maybe you're in it as a kid in this room. I don't know. Ari just told me she made another travel soccer team. So Ari, here we go. This is where we listen right here. But as you're doing that, there is so much importance of being like, yes, where you are, but also this rhythmic part of our life where we like slow down enough to sit and have a meal together, to sit and look into each other's eyes. And not through the rearview mirror, exactly. And, and in that, there is this like, we come together and we recognize that together, we have a common need of like, I need to eat food. But we also have a common provider of that. So as they gathered together, it was like, I see you, I've got you. Oh, together, we see and recognize where all of this came from and who is producing all of this, who is unifying us all together. And it was a rhythmic part of their life. 
with each other and with God. And I thought about this, and as I was asking myself and thinking about um, the four parts of our metaphorical table, and I dare to say, I do think that the enemy is coming against the word. I do. I do think the enemy is coming against all these things. But when I was processing this part about sitting down and breaking bread together, man, I really think the enemy doesn't want us to sit down and break bread together. I think he loves that we're busy. He loves that our evenings are full. And he loves it. And so he's just over here like eroding and like chipping away at this table that the Lord has set with our four posts. And he's like, let me make this like crinkety and non-existent in our lives. And I felt this invitation to be on guard that there is an enemy and he is coming after us to like, the word talks about him as a roaring lion. He is coming ever to devour you. He would not, he does not want you as a follower of Jesus to participate in the things that the early church was devoted to because the early church was really powerful. They were unstoppable. They are how we are here today. And so wouldn't it just be like that sneaky little enemy to come up, come up in here and tell us that it's not important that we break bread together. It's not important that we break bread together, but it is. And so he is not invited. He is not invited to distract us or isolate us or do any sort of busyness in our life to the point where we are just actively not participating in one of the things that the early church devoted themselves to. As we look into scripture, you can't help but notice that as the disciples and as the apostles, as they were met together, that the Lord's Supper, the thing that Jesus taught them to do, it was a part of their meals together. They came and they eat and they were satisfied and then they broke bread and they remembered the sacrifice that was Jesus in his life, in his death, in his resurrection. And in that, in the together, in the connecting to each other and connecting to God, I believe the Holy Spirit was binding them together. I think about this Friday, Friday morning, um, every other Friday, every couple of Fridays, we just gather at my house and we pray. We practice listening to God because somehow in this crazy world, it is hard to just listen. Like quiet enough, put our phones away enough and just listen. And so there's, you're invited. You're invited if you want to come. It's girls, but if you're a girl in the room, you're invited. Um, but we're just practicing listening. And Friday, uh, we met together and we had two girls, one um, that I knew and one that I did not know, but that Michelle has watching our kiddos. And so these girls come out and they're just like talking and we finished. And um, as they're about to leave, one of them says, oh, well, I haven't eaten anything. And so I'm probably just going to go pick up food and then I'll meet you there. And like, I felt this invitation to be like, let's eat together, you know? I don't know what we've got in the fridge, but let's eat together. Um, and I knew that Wednesday, I had been like super nervous about our, uh, we had some friends over and I'm like the worst um, big batch cooker. There's either way too much or not enough. And so I'm like making taco meat, Ryan's making taco meat. And I'm like, I don't think there's enough. And I'm like ripping off rotisserie chicken and like putting it in the taco meat. Um, and I know the Lord was preparing on Wednesday for Friday, because won't he do that? We had enough. And out of nowhere, it's like my fridge just starts like emptying itself out onto the island. And then not just this one girl who needed lunch, it was like everyone and their kids stayed. 
And this like one little thing multiplied and multiplied and multiplied and everyone ate. And it was like the conversation just continued. And dare I say, I mean, I know what happened and what the Lord spoke to us in that time together was important, but man, I had a doctor's appointment at one and we met at nine and we're still together at one. And I'm like, guys, I gotta go, I gotta go, I gotta go. Y'all stay, keep going. It's like so holy, it's so beautiful. Just the chaos of the kitchen islands and people sharing food together, talking about what Jesus is doing. So it doesn't have to be complicated. It just has to be available. Slow down enough to devote ourselves to eating together and breaking bread together. The last thing is that they were devoted to prayer. Prayer marked this movement as they tapped in to his power, as they were in relationship with him. All throughout Acts, you'll see that the ground shook beneath their knees. The Holy Spirit filled them. They received forgiveness, direction. They, <laughs> the entire people groups received the gospel. The dead were raised. The sick were healed in their prayers. Their prayers revealed these things. Prayer preceded each and every one of these things. I love thinking about prayer like talking to God. It's not just this like, I don't know, like thing, you know? It's like a talking to God. And there are two parts to talking. Listening and speaking. So you have an entire people group now that is devoting themselves. So continuously doing this thing together where they're talking to the same person and they're listening to the same person, give them direction, feedback. He's inviting them, his kingdom to come and his will to be done. They were all receiving the same encouragement, the same directive. No wonder it was unifying. There was no other counsel. There was no other voice. They devoted themselves to prayer, which is talking to God. So as they spoke to him, it influenced how they interacted together. That is so powerful. And as we think about in this day and age where everything is so divisive, everything is so cancel culture, there are so many opportunities to disagree. But if we devote ourselves to prayer, to the same God, who is going to say the same thing, right? Because he'll never say something that's not in his word. I'm, I'm pretty sure we'll, we'll be unified. We'll be one. We'll move in the same direction. I don't know if you have ever prayed for something for someone, like someone had a need, something, um, someone was hurt. But if you've ever prayed with someone, um, I'm not sure there is anything more powerful than praying with someone. Like letting someone into your deepest need or your biggest hope. Like this early church was, perse- it was being persecuted. It's like they were probably praying things like, oh Lord, keep us safe today. You know, like there were real things happening in their lives. But just as there are real things happening in our lives, you know, I feel like I learned... Um, I learned this pretty real this year. In January of this year, um, 
we had a pretty hard start to the year. We went into our 17-week ultrasound with our little girl, and she didn't have a heartbeat. And I felt this invitation that the Lord brought to mind Jairus' daughter. Tell her to wake up. Tell her to wake up. Okay, we'll do it. And I texted some friends, and before you know it, there's like a house full of people praying that God would wake her up, that he would do what he is able to do. As this went on, we had another ultrasound. And two days later, went back in, full of faith, full of faith. He would wake her up, but he didn't. And so we went to children's. And they sent us, and we're praying on the way there. And all of you guys are texting us and reminding us of what the word says, of who our God is. The apostles teaching, y'all. And we're journeying in this together and we're on our way to children's. And you know, you just get a little weary. Anybody been in something hard where you're just like, I'm tired. And I know you can do this. I just might doubt a little, you know. And y'all came around us. And you sent us story after story in the Bible where he said, arise, wake up. And you prayed with us, and you devoted yourself to, to prayer. And as we went in for the ultrasound, it was again, there was no heartbeat. And so we continued to pray. And there is nothing more vulnerable than when science like tells you no, or something says no. And our invitation, I wish I had a real Bible up here, but like our invitation from here is that we lean not on our own understanding. And this Holy Spirit that we're talking about that fills us, man, that, that means like resurrection power runs through our veins. That means the authority that Jesus has given us to do more than he did is available to us. And that's what y'all did with us. You believed with us. You encouraged us. You reminded us of who our God is. You prayed against the enemy. And we journeyed on and on. And we went in for our DNC with a hope of one more ultrasound. And there was still no heartbeat. And I don't have an answer for what that means. That is not the point of the story. But the point of the story is we didn't go at it alone. And when you think about the things that the early church was devoted to, like their life wasn't easy. And they weren't doing it just because they were told to do it, right? I'm sure they were like, we have, don't know another way, so we're going to do it. But like, there is something so powerful when you live those things out together and you come together that even though we didn't get the answer we wanted, do you know what I learned from you guys? What it means to pray in faith. What it means to hope against all hope. To trust God for his promises. To keep going. To even now today, like praying for him to be my healer, like it's a little scary. And so we sing songs like come alive in the name of Jesus. 
And I get texts from y'all in the room that's like, sing it louder. Because it's true. That's what he does. And so when you think about the things that the early church were devoted to, it's because there was like, there was no other option. There was nothing better. And in their lives, they were experiencing miracle after miracle after miracle. Because you'll notice as these verses end, do you know what it says happened because they devoted their lives to these things? Signs and wonders happened. Miracles happened. You know what else happened? There was generosity and meeting of needs. Like Acts 2 doesn't say this, but later in Acts 4 it says this. Acts 2 says, and they met needs. Acts 4 says, and no one had a need. And then you know what happens? Many people believed in this awesome guy named Jesus. And many people were saved. And thousands were added to their numbers. And I love that. I love that because it wasn't like you can't make those things happen. They're a result of this personal relationship with Jesus, this personal filling, then impacting the togetherness of the body as we're filled individually, then we're united as a body. As we step into this definition of together, as we do this, we see later in Acts 4 that all of these things happened and it continued to happen and it continued to happen as persecution happened. They continued to devote their lives to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread, <laughs> to prayer. What is the other one? You've got this. You've got this. <laughs> no, there are four things. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking of bread, and to prayer. And I love this image that the Lord gave me as we were sitting together on Friday. Who, I don't know, any of y'all know what this is, but this is called a hot shot romper for any of y'all that know this. There is a real version from free people and there is a fake version up here. And as I was praying about this and as I was thinking about it, this is, can anybody know which one's a real one? Can you tell? This one? Oh, this one. Oh, guys, there's some mixed reviews in the room. Let me tell you. Um, so they might look the same. They're a little different in color, um, but I don't think they operate the same. And they might look the same, but if you felt these, they don't feel the same. And if you looked at these, you might think, huh, that probably lasts the same. Well, they won't. This one was like $20, and this one was like $75, okay? And I, I felt this invitation because I'm a dupe girl. Guys, I like dupes. That means you like nice stuff, but you don't have a lot of money, okay? So you buy the things, you buy the things that look like the things, right? So I like Lululemon. But now Amazon and all these brands have these options where you can buy stuff that looks like the real thing. But do you know what it isn't? The real thing. And so it doesn't actually last like the real one does. And if you look real closely, it it doesn't really look that much like the real one. It doesn't have the details. It doesn't have the lasting. It doesn't have the, like the thing that the money gets you. The more expensive it is because it's made better. And I felt this invitation to remind us that there's no, there's no dupe togetherness. Like there's no way to say, I want the real thing. I don't want to invest to the real thing. 
Like there's no way to say, I want the free people one because I know it's the better one, but I'm unwilling to pay the money for it. Well, then do you know what happens? You just get the dupe one. I just want to invite y'all into this thought that to devote yourself to some things, to continually give yourself to something, it costs something. And it's, it's not easy. But in this relationship with God, in this vertical relationship, he will produce and sustain in the horizontal relationship. And I want, it, I want you to know that the real version is worth it. The real version is worth it. And so today, as we, as we finish up, um, John 14 says that, they, that you could know that you are a follower of Jesus by the love you have for one another. But you know what it costs to have the real thing? Love, humility, forgiveness, endurance. I think about it like this, like my, I'm in a family, right? Like we're in a family, but then I have an immediate family and my four-year-old wants to drink my water all the time. Well, I don't wanna share my water with you all the time. If you're a parent, you know you don't wanna share your water with your kid all the time. Do you know what ends up in the water? Debris. That is the most like kind, kind way to say that. Debris ends up in the water. Debris ends up in the water. Debris ends up in the water, yeah. But I still share my water with my kid. I know, Lester, you're disappointed. <laughs> but I still share my water with my kid. You know why? Because he's thirsty. And he's my family. And I have something that he needs. And that's what we're invited to as we devote ourselves to these four things that the early church devoted themselves to, that then our individual experience is important, but together, unified with one heart and soul. It's how the world experiences Jesus. It's how this continues on. It's how more people end up in this room. It's how more people get sent from this room. My goodness, the amount of people who come in here that we have the opportunity to send back out. And as we close up today, I wanna ask three questions. Three invitations, three reflections. Does anyone need to know the Jesus who brings us all together? Because none of this is possible without him. None of this is possible without him. None of it. Does anyone need to confess disunity and take a step towards community? I don't know. There's something about this life that it's like, it's easier by yourself. And it might be easier by yourself, but it's not gonna produce. We were designed to do it together. So maybe ask the Lord to search your heart. Would you rather go at it alone? Or do you wanna devote your life to one another? And does anyone have need prayer or have a need? I think that was something that was really impactful to me as I read this is that not one of us should have a need. 
And so as we wrap up today, as we sing this song about centering our whole life on Jesus, if you wanna know Jesus, we wanna talk about it. If you wanna walk what it means to walk from not in community to in community, we wanna do that with you. If you need prayer or if you have a need, we wanna meet it. So Lord, stir in our hearts. Help us to understand what your word says and what that looks like in our lives lived out. Help us to devote our lives to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking of bread, and to prayer. Lord, I confess, I want to see, I want to see no one in this room have a need. I want to see miracles let loose. I want to see many come to know you. So teach us how to do it your way. We lay down our way. Come fill our community. Bind us together. In Jesus' name, amen.